This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet episode to watch or meme to share the world may not want you to sleep but we do only the sleep experts at mattress firm can help you find the right bed at the right price unjunk your sleep in store or online at mattressfirm.com today and welcome to cottage talk i am russ goldman joining me right now is mark jerobi from under a He's on to give us the Aston Villa perspective on this upcoming match for Fulham against Aston Villa. We have a lot to talk about in this show, previewing this upcoming match. Before I do anything else, I have to welcome my guest to the show. Mark, how are you doing? Good, good. What's going on, Russ? Thanks for having me on, man. It's really good to get a different perspective about the league and a different perspective about you know what's going on, what's going on in other you know, different yards around the Premier League. So really glad to be here, man. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me. Please tell everyone how they can follow you on Twitter. They can see the scroll down there, but also your website. Uh, yeah, you can find me over at, uh, at VillamarkPGH, or you can find me at ABFC Pittsburgh, or you can find Under Gaslit Lamp on Twitter at Villa Lamp for any Aston Villa fans that might be watching. We do all kind of content, you know, content creation, articles, opinions, podcasts, Aston Villa women's team, interviews with former legends of the game. Yeah, we do, we do a lot of stuff over there, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, we actually just tried this about 15 minutes early. We had some technical difficulties on my end. So we're going again. Anyone that watched this live for the first time, this is take two. We call that a Goldman. So let's get going back into the show, my friend. And I'll just talk a little bit about the uh, Fulham victory in the Carabao Cup. Fulham get the victory against Sheffield Wednesday. They move on. Things that stood out for me were John michael Sarri coming on as a substitute. Again, it's 
I do like the fact that they have included him here. Let's see if he stays with Fulham. He looked good when he was in there. Again, I, I've only seen the highlights, and I was listening to the match. Again, because the match wasn't on here, and uh, so what I decided to do, instead of uh, doing the, I guess you could say, illegal stream, I decided to listen to Gentleman Jim and Jamie, took a walk, and enjoyed it. But I saw the highlights of this, and, uh, you know, it's very interesting that Seri was included. Also want to mention uh, standout for me in the first match, and again, I just saw a little bit of a highlight, but I listened to it. Anthony Robinson looks like the real deal left back, and I look forward to seeing more of him. And uh, listen, Fulham didn't play their most of their starting team. So again, they just gave some other players a chance to play. So I do like the fact that they gave some of these players a chance to play, but I also wanted to see some of the new guys again, like Tete and Lamina, but the only one that stood out in this or played in this match was Anthony Robinson and a couple of youngsters played. So again, positives, full move on to face Brentford. We have to deal with that lot again, which I'm not looking forward to, but it's the Carabao Cup. Anyways, Let's move on. Mark, I want to just get your opening thoughts on Villa so far this season. They opened with a victory. We have a lot to get through when it comes to Villa, so just share your opening thoughts. I, I think it's just a really exciting time with, with the ownership that we have now at Aston Villa with, with two guys that are, that are bankrolled, and they seem like they really want to bring this club back to how it used to be as far as being a pretty big player in the, in the top tier of English football. It's not always easy. That's usually always an owner's aim to do that kind of thing. But I'm pretty happy with the business we've done so far. We've addressed some issues we needed. We definitely couldn't score goals very consistently at all last season. So bringing in a player like Ollie Watkins from Brentford, yeah, the price tag might not be everybody's cup of tea. But, you know, when you have problems scoring goals, you now need to address that if you're able to in the transfer window. So, yeah, I mean, it's exciting times all the way around for Villa. It's just a matter of, you know, progress year upon year upon year. Let's let's not get too crazy and aim for Europe just yet. It's going to be a little bit of a project, but I'm, you know, I've been with this with this club long enough now to know that you know it's always always a fun ride. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, before we get into really getting into our discussion of this season, let's talk about last season. Let's talk about surviving. Now, I watched that final match, my friend. I was actually impressed with how Villa pulled this out. Okay. But let's just get your overall view of your first season back because you survived. Fulham did not their first time back. So how did they do it? Um, we look completely different after the restart. Um, you know, every head coach will say, I mean, it was an unprecedented time, you know, when you stopgap the, the season like that. But Dean Smith was adamant before games were even kicked off a project restarted. They worked on a lot of things, talking to players individually, talking about how they, they look at certain situations on the pitch. Um, and Villa just got better defensively. It took a couple games there. Um, it took a little bit of switching personnel around on the pitch, but we really ended up looking like a really solid defensive team. So I think that helped out a lot. I think that the shock 1-0 win against Arsenal helped out a lot. I mean, it was yep. always optimistic. We needed those three points. After those three points were down, it was just one of those kind of magic moments with that Aston Villa like to pull off time and time again to get themselves where they want to be. And you know, between that and then obviously the West Ham game. And that was just an absolute just heart wrencher. I, mean, I was just on the edge of my seat, heart rate through the roof. Just like, please, boys, just pull it off. Just pull yeah. it off. And it was even still dramatic, you know, after Jackie Grealish scores. And then we, you know, immediately give one up the other way on the pitch. But, you know, it ended up not really mattering on the day. We stayed up in 17th. But man, I'm just hoping not for a repeat of that 17th on the last day of the season again. And I'll, I'll be a happy man. Sure. I want to share this comment with you, okay? Sure. Because I know people want to know your thoughts about Matt Target. Matt Target was very well thought of here at Fulham. Yep. Thoughts on how he's doing at Villa? I like him so far. I personally like him. That's not always the opinion. Some people think that he's only forward thinking. He's not so defensively responsible. But I think where he was coming from, some, from Southampton, he was sitting behind Ryan Bertrand for a long time. So he really yep. didn't get a lot of minutes on the pitch. So I think last year was a little bit of a baptism by fire for Matty Target. 
I happen to like him. Um, we suffered a, I can't remember who it was against, but we suffered a pretty, pretty um, decent loss that we really needed last season. And they interviewed Matty Target after the, uh, after the game. And he looked like he was on the verge of tears. He might have actually had tears in his eyes when he was talking. So that kind of signaled to me that this guy cares. He's, he's bought into this project. He really wants to be here. And I've heard that Matt Target is, is like a really, really down to earth person just in general from some of the other people I've talked to. So I, I like Matty Target. Will we need to upgrade that left back position eventually? Probably. But as for right now, I think that Matt Target's, you know, pr- pretty good for where we're at and where we're headed right now. Can I just tell you how badly Fulham wanted him back? I mean, really badly. And uh, he really was a difference. Believe it or not, I'll go back to the uh, playoff final. We, we could talk a little bit about that. I'm not rubbing it in. I'm just, I'm just oh, mentioning no, no. He was great in that match. They did find a replacement, but I prefer Matt Target over uh, Joe Bryan. And, and now we have Anthony Robinson. I, I think he will continue to do well for you. Yeah, I, th- I think he will too. And I think he'll keep progressing right. and getting better. I-, I think it's just, I think it's one of the things with Target that a lot of people, it's hard for Villa because we've had unmodern fullbacks. That was like the one position of the pitch we never really upgraded to. Whenever we went down in the championship, we had right. older fullbacks that were kind of a little bit more staunch, hard in the tackle. They're not used to an athletic fullback that can get up and down the pitch, kind of play like a two way game a little bit, to use a more Americanized phrase. But yeah, I think Matty Target will grow with this club. And I, I you know, I, I do think that they're going to have to bring in competition for him because the really only identifiable left back right now is Neil Taylor. He's right. getting on a bit in age. He said that he wants to, you know, do coaching badges and stuff like that. So his time is probably ending fairly, you know, sometime soon at Aston Villa. So to get maybe an academy graduate in the door at left back and another left back in the challenge target, I think it'd be a good thing. Okay. All right. You already mentioned Ollie Watkins. Let's get your view on the transfer window. Okay. How do you make of uh, what they have done so far? And uh, it's funny, you talk about Ollie Watkins. Matty Cash came in, former rumored to be in for him too. So uh, what's your view on the transfer window as a whole? Uh, so far, I have no complaints about it. Again, they're, they're addressing issues that need to be addressed. We probably did need more competition at the right back with Matty Cash, with Ahmed Al-Mohamedi. He's getting, getting on there in age, but he can still cross the ball. He's really only like lost his pace. Um, he's a leader out there, Elmo, and you know he likes to do things from the right back position. We have a French right back, Frederick Gilbert, who we act, we legitimately signed to be our right back in the event that we were still in the championship. Right, but I mean he'll start tonight against Bristol. I saw, I, I briefly just saw the team sheet, so uh, so it would be nice to see him get some time on the pitch. Um, you know, Bertrand Traore is coming in. He's also getting a start tonight in the Carabao Cup, so wow. that'll be that'll be interesting. You know, he's coming from Leon, and you know he's he had a little bit of split opinion whenever he left Leon to come to Villa. Spent a decent a decent amount of money on him as well. So it's kind of just like seeing how he's going to have a resurgence in the Premier League if he can help us out a little bit from the wide areas. Uh, Ollie Watkins, obviously, you know that's that, that is what it is, and I I don't think Villa's quite done yet. I think we're probably going to get one or two more in the door. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be one of those like you know bigger names that's going to have a large price tag to it, or we're just going to kind of fill out the squad a little bit. Okay. I just want to share some comments from uh, people watching live. This is from Christian Buckman. I'm not going to share it because it's a long one. So I'm just going to read what he had to say because this goes back to talking about Ollie Watkins. I'd love to hear from a Villa fan's perspective how they are justifying the spend of Ollie Watkins. I mean, all you really have to do is look back and see how many goals Villa scored through the entirety of last year and where those goals (laughs) are coming from on the pitch. And that's not me being like a smart aleck or anything. That's me being honest. You know, it was kind of like a goal by committee type thing. We went out and bought Wesley for a lot of money last season. We needed a striker. Dean Smith seems like he wants somewhat of a bigger bodied striker up at the top of the pitch. And then Wesley blows out his knee. Uh, he goes down. And like we even were starting 18 and 19 year olds in the striker position because we were going through a crisis. Um, that would be a big thing for Villa to stay healthy, not only just because 
you know, we didn't really have many enforcements. And I think that's why we're buying players again this season. But, um, you know, Ollie Watkins is kind of being compared to how Tammy Abraham was for us when we were in the championship. Yep. You know, he, he's Ollie Watkins scored enough goals and he didn't score any penalties. So he scored him from open play. Um, that's going to be a big thing at Aston Villa if, if he can kick off that form. Even if he does only give us 10 to, to 12 to 13 goals, that, that'll be a positive on what we had last season. Okay. I'm going to share this as well. This t- goes to our Ollie Watkins. This is actually positive for you. Goodbye, Ollie Watkins. I, I do agree with, with uh, Dan on that. Dan's a Fulham supporter. And also just want to go back and talk a little bit about I want to share this because this will just show you the respect Fulham supporters have for our Matt Target. Luke Walsh. Wish Fulham had kept target, to be honest. Watched him play at the cottage a few times, and he was pretty hard to get past and also decent going for That actually does describe him. So, you you know, and I, I understand what you're saying. You're going to have competition with him. But I think you have a good player there, Mark. Yeah, I think I think Maddie Target will do just fine. I, I Again, the, the opinion's only split because I think that Villa – I don't want to say all Villa supporters, but some Villa supporters still think, you know, Alan Hutton – you know, that's the kind of fullback that the Villa need. And there was really? nothing wrong. I mean, well, he was with us a long time and he went okay. through, he's, he's kind of a cult hero at Aston Villa a little bit, you know, because he went through the bomb squad years and not being able sure. to snip a game. And then, you know, he stays with the club when we get relegated. And then he, he actually becomes our right back and even sometimes left back. And then he scored an absolute world-class goal against, you know, against Birmingham City where he ran half the length of the pitch and scored a goal in a second city derby. So that right there will get you in the good grace of a Villa fan anyway. Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right, let's now talk about because we are talking about spending money, okay? And this has driven me crazy for over a year. Here we go. Doing a Fulham, we get we have to go here, Mark. Yeah. Because last season, you know, Fulham are down the championship. Then I see the spending that Villa are doing, and then the media picks up on this because we still hear about the hundred million pounds plus that Fulham has spent. And then you look at what you did, but you've already kind of explained this. This isn't doing a foam. This is doing what you needed to do to survive in the Premier League. Foam were trying to do the same thing. Well, actually, Foam's objective was different. They they were really looking to see. They were very ambitious. I think Villa were looking at it a little bit differently because I think it was more of a need. But you know, and again, Foam I think had a need as well because they, they had a championship side. So it's just an interesting way to look at it. What, what are your thoughts about? Always hearing doing a form. I think it's just an unfortunate tag that got put on a club that was that, like you said, ha- had an objective. They tried to spend money so they can fulfill that objective and fulfill that goal, and it didn't work out for them. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's more like internet troll type of criticism more than it actually is like an actual tangible one. Because listen, <laughs> I, I I don't think a lot of like Premier League fans, if you solely watch the Premier League and you don't watch the Championship, you don't understand how difficult. The championship is but then you don't understand whenever you get promoted from the championship how hard it is to stay in the premier league if there's a massive massive gap there in quality of play all around the pitch so you have to spend money when you come up look at what norwich did last season yep. you know even with a team of pookie even with the emmy bendaya even with the todd cantwell they still couldn't put it all together because they gave them no supporting cast whatsoever so you kind of have to spend money in the modern day of football whenever you get promoted from the second tier to the first tier in england Okay, and I'm just going to keep sharing some more comments from the Fulham supporters. Here's, here's a good one that goes along with our conversation. Maybe Villa will succeed where Fulham have failed on spend. Realistically, you can't stay in the Premiership without spend. I yeah, tend I, to agree with that. I agree with that, too. I mean, even look at some of the deals that a club like Burnley are doing, and it's no disrespect yeah. to Burnley, but we all know that they don't spend by and large. But no. when, they, when they do spend, they go out and, and they address needs that they actually have. Okay. All right, Mark, I want to ask you about your head coach, and uh, he's a fascinating guy. He actually, I remember him at at Brentford, and um, 
I now you know know his story about his link, obviously to Aston Villa. So he goes back to the team that he really wanted to be a manager for. So thoughts on Dean Smith because I actually really was impressed with him at Brentford. Yeah, I've I've always been uh, impressed with Dean Smith, even when he was at Brentford, and I even went back in the archives and dug out some of the things that he did when he was at Walsall as well. Um, I, I think he he's still. It's tough for a manager, I think, like Dean Smith, because you have your heart in it. But at the same time, you constantly want to learn. You constantly want to maybe retool some things how you do on the field. But I do like his playing style. I like his ideas. Um, you know, it's it's. I don't think that Dean Smith. I think that the Villa Brass wants him to create a legacy here. They right. want to stop this carousel of coaches coming in and out of the door. Um, there were a couple points last season they could have sacked off Dean Smith without really? a question. They, oh, they, they. I think they could have. You know, it, it was getting bad there for a while that we weren't picking up wins. I think we went eight or nine, maybe even ten straight without a win at one point in the season. So I, I think it, it's vitally important to keep that around. Uh, the familiarity, especially like a season like this. I brought up the point in our podcast over on Under a Gaslit Lamp that with the shortened off season and just how unprecedented this year has been, I thought it was really important to just keep things as, as, as a coaching staff standpoint as, as familiar as possible. We added Craig Shakespeare that used to be at Watford and then at Leicester yeah. whenever they won the title as a, as a uh, coach. So that's really the only addition we had to our backroom staff. But I think you have to keep Dean Smith, give him his shot. And I think they will give him a shot. I think he's going to be the Villa manager for some time to come unless something absolutely crazy happens and it's, it's just not going to work out. Well, let me ask you this, because again, this pertains to Fulham. As we're talking about Dean Smith, you said he could have been sacked a couple times last season. Fulham have Scott Parker. And they have done this carousel. Last time around, they did this. They ended up having three managers. It ended up being a caretaker manager and Scott Parker. I'm against all this. Mark, I want your view on this. I've come out strong, and I'm going to say it again. Regardless of what happens this season, Fulham need to stick with Scott Parker. Now, they might still go down. If they go down, I think that they have to see this out because they've had the carousel. And that hasn't worked. So... I don't want Scott Parker to be sacked. He wasn't my choice. Let me just say this. I I wanted someone else, but he deserves a chance to prove himself in the Premier League. He only had a short stint, and it was really in a very bad situation. Give him some time. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, again, I know that there are fans that will tell me, like, what if, like, under Savisa, they lost all these matches in a row. You have to make a change. I don't know. I, I still won't make that change if I was in charge because, for me, it's about not just the short term, but it's about the long term. And it's also about not having that carousel that you were talking about with Aston Villa. Yeah, it's a tough thing. I think with, with Scott Parker, I think they definitely should should stick with him. I mean, there, there's been a couple of examples in the past of teams going back down the Premier League and keeping their coach and then that coach getting them. You know, Permetti looked like it Sean Dyche at Burnley. Yeah. Um, you know, he went down and, and and he knew he knew when he went down that he had a project on his hands. Make no mistake about it. Sean Dyche is a very, very smart manager. He, right. he knows he knows how this game is played and he knows, you know, when when things are bad, he he really, really tries his hardest. I do believe that. Really do fancy Dyche as a manager. So I I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with Scott Parker, but that all comes down to the ownership, what the ownership thinks about it. It all comes down to how the players feel about him. You know, it, it does take a little bit of a unique personality to, to not only keep the job through a relegation, but also really, really fight with the backing of ownership to get the club right. back into the Premier League. So it's a tough one to crack. I, I can only really speak for Villa because, you know, I, I do think that Dean, I think that he just has it in his heart. There's just so many storylines there with Dean Smith being a Villa fan, his dad being a steward when he was growing up. Jackie Grealish is a Villa fan. He, he's wearing the captain's armband. So, you know, I, I think that I, – I don't know. It, it might be my Americanized opinion about it, but I do not <laughs> – I don't like the carousel of coaching 
in football and it's not just it's not just unique to england it's all yeah. over the world it's yeah. just in and out and in and out and in and out if you can't if, you, if you're not going to win x amount of games in a row we don't want you here i, I don't think that's what football is about it, it's it's, yep. it's not what it's about for me i'm there with you and uh you know listen you know we're both living in the u.s is it something here i i don't know i mean i've never liked it in any sport I always thought that you should stick with the guy who got you there. And when you definitely know, then you make the change. But it becomes a thing where, you know, if you lose a certain amount of matches, then you talk about changing the manager. And it doesn't work all the time. It works sometimes. But, you know, in the case of Fulham, it certainly has not worked. So I would stick with Parker. And, and like you said, I always look at the Sean Deitch situation as, well, why not? Because it worked with Sean Deitch. So, you know, that's actually a good point. Okay, coming up. I'm going to break down this match with Mark, and we're going to talk a lot about Aston Villa, but also talking about Fulham. Okay, Mark, let's get into breaking down this match by first looking at Aston Villa's strengths and weaknesses. Give me the strengths and weaknesses from your perspective. Uh, strengths would probably have to be on the counterattack, at least what we saw last season. I mean, we've only played a couple games now, but it looks like Villa's keen to break on the counter. Uh, using overlapping fullbacks, things of that nature. They're going to try to push the ball from out wide to in the middle of the pitch uh, in between, the, like inside the 18-yard 18 uh, yard box. Uh, for weaknesses for Villa, I'd honestly say take a run. Uh, you know, if you can press high against Villa, kind of get them confused in the back. Now, you know, one of the signings I didn't talk about was Emmy Martinez from Arsenal. Okay. You know, he, he had a great debut, saved a penalty, kept a clean sheet, you know, won the game. Um, I, I think he's a wonderful addition, but um, his distribution, he does like to play it from the back. Villa like to play it from the back. If you can put a high press on the center backs, maybe get Tyra and Mings running around or Ezra Ponce running around a little bit, um, you might be able to confuse them, might be able to you know, gain more possession of the ball up in, in your own final third of the pitch. But outside of that, it's just, I honestly believe with Villa, like the best way to counteract Villa is just to have more fitness than them, run them around, get them a little tired, and then you know, pick your spots whenever they arrive. Okay. It's funny because uh, I, I think you might see us press you a little bit. So it's very interesting that you say that that might be a weakness. And if you're looking at, at a strength, give, give me the strength of Villa from your perspective. Yeah, I, th- I honestly think it's just getting getting the ball into the wide areas of the pitch, probably like in about the about the halfway point um, and then up the flanks. Uh, we do have – I mean, with Jack Grealish on the left, he's always going to want the ball at his feet. He's always going to want to cut inside. But on the right, you know, it's kind of a question mark if Bertrand Traore that we just got from Leon is going to feature on the right or we're still going to go with uh, Trezeguet, uh, our Egyptian winger. So yep. I, it, it'll be a little bit interesting to see how that goes. But again, you know, I mean, Villages have players in positions that they're they're above average for the position. So you really don't know who's going to pop up or how they're going to play it. Um, with a team like against Fulham, like I can see us trying to maybe even hoof it over top of the center backs and make them run for it a little bit, use a little bit more of our athleticism to try and try and get past the back line that may have had a little bit of frailties in their opening couple games. Okay, very good. All right. All right, my friend, let's now talk about key players for Aston Villa against Fulham. I'm sure you're going to talk about Jack Grealish or whoever else. So uh, give me your key players. And then, and then uh, after that, I do have some thoughts about Jack Grealish that I'd like to share with you. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I think the key players for Villa, for me, I'm looking for John McGinn to be a real cog in the midfield. We were okay. just, uh, just talking about the fact of getting the ball to players wide. He kind of – Kind of works like a little bit of a junkyard dog a little bit. You know, he's like a he'll, – he'll get up and down the pitch in a box-to-box midfield role. But I, I like John McGinn for a, a team like this uh, – again, against a team like Fulham, rather, because of the fact that I think Fulham's going to try to press the, bo- the ball high up the pitch. I right. think they're going to try to maybe outwork Bill a little bit more, maybe a little bit of the dark arts. And, that like, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I just, sure. I, I just think that sometimes that's what you have to address with Villa. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm looking at John McGinn. Obviously, I'd love Ollie Watkins to kick off with a goal. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward for the, the battle of the midfield areas in this one. Okay, and, uh, you know, so many matches are won in the midfield. So it'll, it'll be interesting who the midfield three is. For Fulham, I can tell you that Scott Parker has a lot of choices now. Harrison Reed is, is uh, back with us uh, permanently now. I expect him to be in there. And Giza, I, I thought, has been impressive so far. Hopefully him. It's I think it might come down to that third guy. It could be Tom Kearney. It could be Lamina. It could be several different choices, which is interesting. So I can't really give you a midfield three. It's going to be up to Scott Parker to make that decision. But let's get back. Let's talk a little bit about Grealish because Grealish, can I just tell you, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a very good player. But I think if he's not on your team, you hate him. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that, that goes with that question. I mean, and like, I'm, I'm a big sports guy. I watch a lot, a lot of other sports. There's plenty of players where I can't stand it when they come up against my teams, <laughs> but I would have them in a heartbeat. And I think Jackie exactly. falls exactly. under that. I, mean, he, I, I think well, he falls under that category. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you have, 136 fouls against him last season? And people can say he's diving all he wants, but how many times have he been carded for simulation? You know, that's, all, that's, always, the, that, that's always the rebuttal when people yep. say that he, that he dives. But, you know, I mean – I, I think that Jackie Grealish plays a very unique style of football. He likes the ball at his feet. And it's not just like he's running at people. He, he's actually like looking around. If you watch him, his head's pretty much always on a swivel. He knows how to pick out a pass. He's a talented footballer, but he again, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Not, not everybody's going to think that Jack Grealish is this wonderful, wonderful football player. But if they were on, if he was on their team, they definitely would have a different opinion. Of him. Okay. That's, you know, again, very interesting. You know, it's funny because, uh, Watching him in the playoff final, I, I, you know, again, he looks for the fouls, but he's very good at it, like I said, but he doesn't get called for simulation that often. So there you go on that. So he knows what he's doing, but he is that type of player. If he was on foam, you'd want him on foam because, you know, he's just that type of player that drives you crazy. But you want that player that, you know, again, it's going to give you a 150%. He does that. He just annoys the hell out of me. I, I'm just going to say right, that. and and no, and you know what? And that's that's a part of it too because he's he's. I mean, if you feel annoyed sitting on your couch or at the pub having a beer, how do you think yeah. the players are? How do you think those <laughs> players are being annoyed because plays being stopped every exactly. forty seconds because you can't stop Jackie Grealish cutting in from the left hand side? So I, exactly. I, I can. I completely agree with you, man. If yeah. he was on, if he was on someone else's team, and I watched him oh. do his thing, I'd be completely upset about it. He's a very talented player, and I'll, we'll just leave it at that. All right, let's move on, and I want to get your thoughts on form. You know. We talked a little bit about it, but obviously it's a foam show. So from your perspective, you said you watched the Arsenal match, which is unfortunate that you watched the Arsenal match, but you watched the Arsenal match. So uh, your thoughts on Fulham? I, I think Fulham will be okay, but you, you kind of have to address a center back, I think. Oh. I, think you, I think you have to bring in a center back at some point in time. It doesn't have to be some marquee crazy signing. Yep. Get someone in there with a little bit of Premier League experience. <laughs> they don't even have to have the most pace. Just, yep. just, just get somebody in there with some experience that can kind of command that back line a little bit because, again, and it's not me poking fun. I have no ill will towards Fulham whatsoever, even yep. with the playoff final. I just think that that's where they're lacking the most. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you, how's, how's Josh Onema getting on at Fulham? It's interesting because Josh Onema, I think, was very important to Fulham's team, especially near the end of last season, Mark, and uh, integral in that uh, playoff final. And he was great against Cardiff City. And really came on at the end of the season. Unfortunately, in the last match, he, he went missing a little bit. And, and now there are supporters, you know, again, pointing that out. So, so far in, in these two matches, we really have not seen what we saw from Onama in the championship. I still like Onama. I'm not giving up on Onama. I know that, that there's probably fans that, that probably are ready to move on from him. 
but I happen to like what he offers. And I'm, I just want to see him play a little bit more before making any judgment on him. But I will tell you that as the season grew last season, he was – I don't know if Fulham get promoted without Josh Onima. Okay, I'll just say that right now. That's how important he became, especially in the playoff against Cardiff City and also the final. He was fantastic. So it's hard now because, again, we're, we're up a level. And I think like other players, I, th- I think uh, certain players are, are not adjusting as well as we had hoped. And I think we just need some more time to, to see if Onima can adjust. Michael Hector is another player. And these are players that, that are being pointed out as – players that have helped us a great deal in the championship. Can they make the step up? And uh, right now it's not positive for Anima, but again, it's only two matches in. So we shall see. Yeah. I got to see a, a decent amount of him when he was on loan at Villa a couple, a couple seasons ago. And I was, yeah. you know, obviously in a couple of seasons, a lot of things can change, but right. I, mean, I, I saw a bright player on the ball when the ball's at his feet. Yep. He, look, he looks to be creative. Um, I don't know if that's still the case. He seemed like he'd be able to pick out a pass every oh, year. Absolutely. Um, he, he can be a little bit of a cog in the machine when you're trying to get into the final third. So, I mean, I, w- I wish Josh on some of the best because he, yep. he, he gave us his all whenever he was here. He, he didn't do anything fantastic, but you can tell he, he was just trying to find his way while he was online. Yep. Absolutely. All right, my friend, let's get a little further into this. I'm going to put you in the shoes of Scott Parker. I do this each and every week. Not everyone likes the fact that I put them in the shoes of the opposing manager. What would be your strategy to beating Aston Villa? Uh, press high up the field and find a way to get Mitrovic uh, going up against uh, Ezri Konsa instead of Tyron Mings. You know, he's a smaller body, maybe a little bit less physical. And that's not a knock on Ezri. I love Ezri Konsa. I think he's really come into his own since we've snatched him up from Brentford. He, he definitely did a lot of maturing and he got better uh, this past season for Villa. Even when we kind of trout him at right back, but now he, he that'll most definitely be the, the partnership against Fulham. It'll be Tyron Mings on the left of uh, the right center back position and Ezri Konsa on the right. Find a way to get Mitro to kind of run at him a little bit. And, yeah, I think the high pressure guys can cause a little bit of confusion okay. getting the ball back in the high areas instead of trying to play it out from the back or trying to play out from the midfield. Okay, excellent. All right. How does Aston Villa win this match? What does your team need to do? Ollie Watkins hat trick. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no um, I, I, I think Villa's going to have to – I, I, like I said, it's going to have to be on the counterattack. I don't think we'll give up a large amount of possession this game. It's kind of hard to gauge because we had a red card in our previous game against Sheffield Wednesday after 12 yep. minutes, or Sheffield United, rather. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be hard to kind of gauge this match of how we're actually going to attack, you know, with with 11 v 11 for, for the 90. I don't think there's going to be a, a red or anything like that in this game. I think both teams know know exactly how they're going to play this one. But I do think that Villa are going to try to play on the counterattack again, get the ball into Jackie Grealish's feet, John McGinn in the middle of the park, also have a wonderful uh, central defensive midfielder, Douglas Louise. He kind of worked as a metronome uh, since we've seen him so far. Uh, he had a wonderful project restart. He improved leaps and bounds. So, yeah, I look, I look out for that, just spraying the passes out wide, try to get them into, into the 18-yard box, create a little bit of havoc. You know, there's no, no need to try and call like a 40-yard screamer or anything like that. I just think it's going to be a, a really good, tightly contested uh, football match. Okay, excellent. All right. Give me your starting 11 for Villa, then I'll give you my thoughts on Fulham. I'm going left back, Matt Target. Uh, left center back will be Tyra Mings. Right center back is Ezra Konsa. Right back is going to be Matty Cash. Uh, we'll go for the midfield of Douglas Louise and John McGinn and probably Connor Horahane again, an Ireland international. Uh, yes, yeah, so on the left, Jackie. On the right, probably be Trezeguet. They might try to play Bertrand Traore that we just got from Leon, but I'm not sure if it might be early days for him as far as fitness. I think that's why he's getting matched time tonight against Bristol. And then obviously Ollie Watkins up top for the uh, for the new striker. See if he can keep uh, keep his goal scoring going. Okay, 
Okay, I'm going to go with this for form. I'm going to go with uh, the new uh, goalkeeper, Areola, even though I like Marek Rodak. At left back, I'm going to make a change here because uh, it's been Joe Bryan. I'm going to go with Anthony Robinson. At right back, I'm going to go with Kenny Tate. And this is where it gets interesting because you and I both know the problems Fulham are having at center back. I'm glad that you mentioned it because Fulham fans know this all too well. We're having problems. But I'm going to go with Michael Hector. Here's the question. What do I do with the other one? I'm going to go with Dennis Adoy. Dennis Adoy is not a Premier League right back or center back starting. He is someone that can actually fill in if you need him to, but he's just not quality enough. I love Dennis, but I'm going with him because I cannot go with Tim Ream. I cannot do it. I cannot go with Tim Ream. I'm a proud American. You are too, Mark. We talked yes, about sir. this off air. We know yep. he's not good enough right now. You've seen it. You told me this off air. Yep. So I can't go with Tim Ream. I just can't do it. Love him, but sorry, cannot go with it. So I'm going to go. This is what I'm picking, not what Scott Park is going to pick. The midfield three, I'm going to go with Harrison Reed. I'm going to go with Angisa. And then I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Tom Kearney. I, I will go with Kearney. And then when it gets interesting is here, Mitro will be up front. And then on one side, I'm going to go with Anthony Knockhart. And on the other side, even though he normally plays on the other side, I'm just going to get him on the pitch. I'm, I'm going to go with the Bubakar Kamara. And they're going to mix and match anyways. So I'm just going to go with that. That will be my starting 11, but it won't be Scott Parker's starting 11 because I think he's going to go with think he's going to go with Tim Ream. I think he'll go with possibly a different midfield three. And it's harsh on me not to include Bobby Decker-Dover-Reed. Possibly I could actually have him instead of Kamara, or I could have him instead of Kearney. So anyone that's pointing out how can I not include Decker-Dover-Reed, it's a good point. I was just trying to figure out exactly where to put him. But I also wanted to give Tom Kearney another shot. So that's where I'm going with my starting 11. All right, my friend, it's time for your prediction. I I, I mean, my heart's always going to say 2-1 to the Villa. But I, I just have a sneaking suspicion it's going to end up a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw. I don't know why. I just kind of have that feeling. <laughs> maybe a little. Maybe a little. I, I don't know. It, it's that whole thing. It's the Aston Villa uh, guilt. And that, that weighs so heavily on your shoulders <laughs> after years and years of what we've gone through. So, you know, I, I'll always think that, that we can win, but m- most likely when I feel that way, it usually ends up being a loss or a draw. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I just want to mention this to everyone watching live. Feel free to share your comment on your prediction for the match. Before I give mine, I'm going to just share a poll. I did, I, you know, again, I didn't give myself that much time here for the poll. I did it on the Cottage Talk Twitter page. But I have a decent amount of votes, Mark. I got 330 votes in about an hour. That's not bad. That's not bad at all, mate. No. And uh, the poll was, what is your prediction for Fulham against Aston Villa? Win is at 64%, draws at 21%, and loss is at 15%. So Fulham supporters are confident, but they also know, Mark, that this is a must-win for Fulham. You know, again, every match you could say is a must-win. But as I was talking on our last show with Mike Gregg, one of my co-hosts, if we want to stay pace with the rest of the league. A victory here is important. Can they afford to lose? Yes, you can afford to lose, but then you keep playing catch up. So that's the problem with that. So I understand uh, why fans are picking a victory. I, you know, again, I, I'll i give my prediction in a second, but I, you know, again, I just, just want to share that. And I'm just going to share some more comments because I see them coming in. The, uh, some of them deal with the starting 11. Dan says Robinson, definitely. I totally agree with that. This is an interesting from Christian Bookman. I hope I'm saying that right, Christian. BDR, that's Bobby Decker-Dovery, will be the first player off the bench. You could be right about that. 
And uh, I want to share this one because I mentioned Sari earlier. Max Wolpin. Honestly, think Sari might be worth playing in this game. Think he could really help us defensively. Plus, a good performance would push up his price if he did leave. Max, that's a wonderful comment there. Thank you for sharing that. And the comments are flying in, my friend. I'm just going to share a few more. Here's some predictions. Christian comes back 2-0 to full. Mitro gets both goals. Here's here's an interesting one that I don't know if I would like. Nil-nil, <laughs> first one for 10 years. Yeah, I, would, I want to get some goals in the back of the net. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there with you, my friend. I'm there with you. Okay. Dan Mason says, and just like me, we need a win. Need some confidence. I'm totally there with you, Dan. Okay, it's time for my prediction. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this, and I've given this some thought, it's kind of easy for me to say, okay, we'll go with a draw because that's a safe bet. We'll go with a draw. Uh, you know, Fulham haven't gotten anything from the first two matches. But I'm actually going to go with a Fulham victory, and I'll go with my standard 2-1. to one. I'll, go, I'll say 2-1 to one because I can't imagine Fulham having a clean sheet. So I'm going to say 2-1 to one to Fulham. But you know what? All scenarios are on the table, Mark. I think you would agree with this. I, you know, I could see Villa winning. I could see a draw. I can also see Fulham winning. It's a it's a tough match for all for both teams. That's why all options are on the table. Yeah, from from a Villa fans' perspective, you know, it's early enough in the season. We want to keep putting points together as far as we can, especially especially you know three points. I don't think a draw would be the end of the world for Villa. Yep. But also on the other hand, you know, you want to beat the newly promoted sides. You know, it's it's you know we we see what's going on with Leeds. You know, everyone's curious if they're going to be able to keep up that kind of form or keep that kind of entertainment. I don't think so, but that's just my yeah, opinion. I, I don't think so either. Eventually. You're going to have injuries. The guys are going to get tired. And it may sound really simple, but you can't play like that all the time. Uh, people find and he plays out. a very small squad. So. Right. Yeah, people people will find you out eventually yep. if you play that way. Um, That's been my my thought on Leeds. In fact, I have them going down because I don't think that they can keep it up. But, you know. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I wouldn't be upset with a draw from this match. But okay. I do think I do think it's going to be an I do think it's going to be a good game of football. I do think there will be goals involved, and I I definitely think that I mean if you if you can get Mitrovic involved and you can get him running at that back line and, and try to cause a little bit of confusion, I think it'll it'll play in your guys' favor. But again, you know you try to do that and then get hit on the counter by Villa. That's you know that's kind of going to be our bread and butter to, to push that up the pitch. And even another thing we were talking about Jackie Grealish, you got to watch yep. watch out for uh, free kick opportunities as well. That's, yep. that's something that Dean Smith said that he really, really wanted to work on this season. So, you know, look, look out for that as well. Okay, excellent. Great stuff. Mark, before we go, just tell everyone about your website one last time. I, I have the uh, Twitter scroll going on so people can see how they can follow you. I hope they do follow you. So just tell everyone one last time before we wrap this up about your website. Uh, yeah, you can find it on underagaslitlamp.com. We do a lot of Aston Villa commentary, news articles and opinion and interviews with you know, former players. And we cover the Aston Villa women's team. We have a podcast for the men's team, podcast for the women's team, all kind of Aston Villa stuff. If you're a fan, go ahead and follow us over there. You can also follow us on Villa Lamp on Twitter. You can follow me specifically at Villa Mark PGH. Okay, excellent. Well, Mark, thank you so much for doing this, my friend. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much, Russ. I really, really had a good time. Okay, fantastic. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For my special guest, Mark Jarobi, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.